Thank you, Beth and Choir, and thank you for your presence today. Several years ago, the Ohio State Buckeyes met in their locker room to get ready for the national championship game played in the Fiesta Bowl. Coach Jim Tressel had one more meeting with his team, went over the game plan one more time, and then he looked out at his players and he asked them a very profound question. How do you want to be remembered? How do you want to be remembered? Well, we, most of us know the story. They took on the Miami Hurricane. Thirty-four straight victories Miami had. And yet Ohio State won the game. They obviously had achieved their goal and heard their coach well. How do you want to be remembered? I want you to think about the, the implications for that football team. Think about what it takes to win a national championship. But consider also a couple of other thoughts. It all started again the very next season. They were national champs, but they had to rewind and start all over again, and they did not repeat. It was rewarding. No doubt about that it was rewarding, but it was temporary in nature. And unfortunately, too many of us settle for temporary Rewards, And today I want to tell you about an eternal reward that we can have. So let me look at you like Coach Tressel looked at his team and ask you a very personal question. How do you want to be remembered? You may do as I do occasionally, not very often. I don't get up and look through the obituaries and check it out. I understand I'm getting close to that age where I may do that, but I don't do it yet. But I have wandered through some cemeteries, and I made some notes. One cemetery grave had loving father. Another epitaph said beloved mother. One that surely would bring tears to all of our eyes, our precious child. One that really spoke to me was this one. A man of unquestioned integrity. Wouldn't you like to be known as a person of unquestioned integrity. But as great as all these are, the greatest epitaph written on anybody's life is one that not only did man give, but God gave this epitaph to this man. Now, we know his story. We know all about King David. It's there in black and white. We know of his greatness. We know of his sins and his shortcomings. But over in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 13, this is what the Bible says. David was a man after God's own heart. A man after my own heart. That tells me that in spite of the failures and the sins that all of us experience, just like David, we can also be just like David and we can finish strong. And that's what I want to do this morning, to help to encourage you. Because all of us have feet of clay. All of us make mistakes. All of us sin, just as all of the great people in the Bible sinned. And yet the grace of God saw them through. And those who rose to the occasion and put their trust in him, they finished strong. 
So if you would turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. I want you to listen to what I believe could have been Paul's own epitaph. 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 6, going through verse 8. 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. And here's what Paul wrote. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Now, we remember Paul's earlier life. He persecuted Christians. He helped make sure that they were persecuted and some even put to death. But we also know that after the Apostle Paul repented of his sin and placed his faith in Jesus Christ, he finished strong. So this morning, I want to help us examine how we can finish strong in our life, no matter where you are in your life, if you're a Christian. I want to give you some words of encouragement by asking you three additional questions in addition to how do you want to be remembered. Here's the first question. What kind of departure, what kind of death will you experience? Now, obviously, from these scriptures, the Apostle Paul knew that his death was imminent. He said in verse 6, he referred to being a drink offering poured out. That's not the only time he used that. If you look over in Philippians chapter 2, verse 17, Paul referred to a drink offering poured out. Now, to be honest, most of us are not familiar with the drink offering. We're not familiar with what this was all about. But it really referred back to the Old Testament, to a ritual that accompanied a, a certain sacrifice. You see, in the Old Testament, when they came time to have the drink offering being poured out, the law mandated that the worshiper bring with himself or herself they were to bring an offering of sacrifice, and they were to bring with it wine that was to be poured out on the burning coals or right in front. And as the wine hit the coals, there evaporated a sweet smell that rose up from the altar. Now keep in mind, those of you who study the Bible know that wine in the Old Testament was symbolic of joy. It was an Old Testament symbol indicating a joyful sacrifice. So the drink offering was a way of saying, I gladly, I gladly, I rejoice in giving this sacrifice to the Lord. Now, let me remind you when Paul wrote these words, he wasn't on a cushion in a comfortable pew. He was in a Roman prison, chained to guards. He'd been wanting to share the gospel in Rome, and now he had a captive audience. They thought they had him captive, but they were chained to him, and he had them captive, and he was freely sharing the gospel. But he also, Paul was an encourager. He was trying to encourage young Timothy by saying, Now, Timothy, 
Caesar thinks that he's taken my life. Not so. Caesar is just cooperating with the plan of God. I am gladly giving my life as a sacrifice because he had been doing that throughout his life. In fact, he wrote about it. You remember the words in Romans 12, 1, where he said, I therefore beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that what? We present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our spiritual service of worship. Paul had been saying all along that we are to live our lives as a living sacrifice, presenting them to God in service. So if you want to have a positive departure, a positive death, if you want to finish strong, you're going to have to answer that question. Are you willing to live it right now while you have life and breath? Are you doing it? Are you giving your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable, our spiritual service? Let me ask you a second question. What kind of legacy will you leave behind? What will be your legacy? Now, in verse 7, Paul gives three statements that could have well been put on his tombstone. Verse 7, he said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. And I have kept the faith. Now, let's break down that and look at those three key statements, because all of us can make those statements. We can all. It's a good fight. And it is a fight. We have a supernatural adversary, Satan, who is always attacking us, attacking our lives, attacking our marriages. That's why Joyce and I were so thrilled about 26 of our youngest young married couples went with us Friday night to see the great movie Fireproof. A movie that helped encourage us to know that even in the midst of a marriage that is challenged, we can finish strong. If we surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's fight. But it can be a good fight. Now look at what he said. He was in effect saying, let's live a disciplined life. I fought the good fight. Now let me give you one illustration of the, of the things the Apostle Paul was going through. He wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. But in everything, commending ourselves as servants of God, in much endurance, in afflictions, in hardships, in distresses, in beatings, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in in hunger. That doesn't sound like a cakewalk to me. That wasn't one of these name it and claim it and everything's going to be fine. It was a tough life. And yet the Apostle Paul said, I fought the good fight. Most of us, thankfully, in our country at least, will never have to go through such trials and experiences. But let me ask you, in your own life, in your own area, are you living a disciplined life? This involves a daily discipline. Look with me in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. I want to show you what's involved 
in this daily discipline of living such a life. Paul gives us a negative with a balance of a positive. He says, first of all, in Romans chapter 6, Therefore, that's on the basis of what he's just been writing, Do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lust. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. Now the positive. Present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you. You are not under the law, but under grace. I always find it amusing when some people... Try to get legalistic with me. They say, you still believe in the tithe? You know, that was the Old Testament. I said, well, why don't we believe in grace giving? That ought to be about 20%, because the law was 10. Surely grace would be double. They don't have much to say after that. But it involves a disciplined life. Now, if, if it were not possible for us to do these negatives, the Spirit of God would not have allowed Paul to write these words. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body. That's telling you there's the possibility. If you don't have daily discipline, sin will reign in your mortal bodies, but it shouldn't because you've experienced grace. I believe Paul was also saying in these three statements of his epitaph that he lived what we might call today a purpose-driven life. He said, I have finished the course I lived life with a passion. I lived life with a purpose of telling people about how they can repent of their sins. I was a legalist, he said. I kept the law, but I was imperfect. And I realized I needed a Savior who paid my sin debt in full, so I repented of my sin and trusted Christ. And he spent the rest of his life telling people how they could have such a relationship. Paul never seemed deterred by opposition, and he had a lot of it. Now, why is that true? How could a man, just like us, flesh and blood, no more spiritual than we are because we all have the same indwelling Holy Spirit, how could he live such a life? Well, he was confident not in himself, but in his God. He said, I know that I will spend eternity with God in heaven. And we too should be able to say that. There was without a doubt when I die, I know I will spend eternity with God in heaven because God is not a liar. And he said that if we repent of our sins and trust Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior, he would give us the gift of eternal life. Let me ask you a question. Have you received that gift? Are you living a life of discipline because of it? Not in order to earn it. It was a gift to us. And are you living life with a passion and a purpose? Paul also said he was a man of faith. Now, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, whatever is not of faith is sin. So it's important that we understand. He said, I have kept the faith. He refused to compromise his convictions. He, he never gave in to the opposition. He never gave in to discouragement, though he obviously had a lot of times of discouragement. 
He even said in one chapter in Philippians, I have learned, which tells me in the school of hard knocks, he learned to be content in all the circumstances of life because he knew that God was trustworthy. He knew that God would keep his promise. I'll meet all of your needs, not necessarily all of our wants, but all of your needs by my riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Are you living such a life? If so, you can leave a positive epithet. You can leave a positive legacy. But let me end by going to one last question. What kind of reward will you receive? You can answer that. Paul did in verse 8. He said, in the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Now, Paul was referring not to the great white throne judgment. We will not stand before that. We'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we won't answer for our sins, but for our works. Whether they were good, whether they were spiritual, or whether they were not. And so, by faith, the Apostle Paul, you realize what kind of death he faced. He was going to get beheaded. Not a very pleasant death. But he looked at that and he saw through the eyes of faith the reward that he was going to receive. He affirmed these truths. And I want you to contrast these. I started out deliberately with a very exciting. I mean, the Gamecocks would love to. The Tigers would love to. All of our teams we love, we'd like to win the national championship of collegiate football or baseball or basketball or soccer, whatever it may be. And it's good. But I want you to contrast as good as those rewards are, I want you to contrast them with this reward that we will receive. He said, here are the characteristics of a, the crown of righteousness. It is a reward given by none other than Jesus Christ, the righteous judge. King Jesus is going to give to us a righteous, a crown of righteousness. Secondly, it is a guaranteed reward because it is stored in heaven, kept for us by the Lord Jesus Christ, who made it possible for us to receive this crown. So it's guaranteed. You don't have to hope. You can know that you will receive a crown of righteousness. Third, it is a personal reward and presented by none other than Jesus Christ himself. But we individually, who love is appearing, who are living a disciplined life, who are living life with a passion and a purpose, can know that we will receive a crown of righteousness because we long to see his return. As I drove into church this morning, I prayed, Oh God, come soon. Won't it be a great day, and not just in a great gospel song, Steve. It's going to be a great day when the Father says to the Son, Son, go get my children. It's ended. Let's go home. I believe that one day, and there are no prophecies left to be fulfilled. It could be. That's why we call it imminent. It could happen 
at any moment, right in the middle of the service. And are you ready? Now, that's a question you have to answer. Are you ready? If you stood before God and he said to you, why should I let you in heaven? What would you say? Well, I was baptized like these wonderful children were today. Well, that's good. You ought to be baptized. That's, that's an act of obedience. Well, I, I, uh, I read my Bible every day, and I, I tried to love people and treat people right. That's good. I even tithed, and I came most Sundays. I was a Baptist preacher. He said, all of those are good, but none of them are going to get you in glory. There's only one way you're going to get in glory, and that's by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ who cleanses us from all sin. There was a time in my life when I was lost without Jesus, and I prayed and invited Christ into my heart to forgive me of my sin. I was on the back porch with my mother. And in a matter of moments, I lost what was for me an unnatural desire. I was afraid of death. I was only eight years old, and I was healthy. There was no reason to fear death. But mother had the spiritual intuition, this is God at work. And she introduced me to accepting Jesus Christ, which I did. And I experienced the gift of eternal life. And so I know where I'm going to spend eternity. In spite of the many times that I know I have failed, the many times that I have sinned, I know it's going to be a personal reward to me. But I also give you this good news from Paul. He said it's a shared reward. All who love his appearing will receive this crown of righteousness. And, of course, we know what we're going to do, according to the book of Revelation, with all of the crowns, with all the rewards we get, we place them at the foot of the cross. He, he alone is worthy. We give him honor and glory. We give him anything we have, we put at the foot of the cross and say, thank you for saving me. You see, we know that one day... If we live long enough, and the Lord delays his return, every person hearing this message today is going to die. The Bible says that it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment. I know the judgment I will face. It will be a wonderful time of reunion that I will have. Not because of my good works, but because of his perfection. I know that. So... My final words to you are simple. Fight the good fight. Complete your God-given assignment and keep the faith. In other words, you may have stumbled. Anytime you need encouragement as God's child, let me give you a, a book of the Bible, a chapter of the Bible to go read that will encourage you. If you ever need it, you and I know we have feet of clay. We know we sin from time to time, and we get disappointed. We think, how could I possibly do this as God's child? We'll read the Hebrews 11, the Hall of Fame of Faith. Read it this afternoon. And look at people who helped murder someone, committed adultery, lied, stealed, deceived, one who even committed suicide. All of these things of people that God put in the Hall of Fame of Faith. He wasn't doing it to condone sin. He was putting it there so he, we could understand the grace that it takes 
to give us the gift of eternal life. So that's what we want you to do. We want you to finish strong, but you've got to get started first. Has there ever been a time in your life when you know without a doubt that you've repented of your sin and you've placed your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ? Has there been a time when you've done that? If you were standing before God and he asked you, why should I let you in heaven? What would you tell him? I pray, I pray this about my own life. You'll have to answer for yourself. I pray I'll finish strong. I pray I'll keep the faith. I pray that I'll be willing to fight the good fight. I pray that I will complete the course, the assignment that God has given to me. And I pray that I'll never compromise as I have in the past. But I won't compromise anymore. Because I want to be like the Apostle Paul and I want to finish strong. So let me ask you the last question. How do you want to be remembered? How do you want to be remembered? The Buckeyes were national champions, but they started again the next season. For us, the gift of eternal life, the crown of righteousness, which will be endless in enjoyment. Father, I pray today that any who do not have a personal relationship with your son Jesus would be willing right now to confess their sins and repent, to turn from their sins and turn to the Savior. And thank you that you've promised, and you never break a promise. You promised to give them the gift of eternal life. And Father, thank you for many people who have heard this message today, and like me, they've stumbled, they've made mistakes, they've committed sin, even like King David. But it could be said of us, Father, that we're people after your own heart. And that is my prayer in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and sing our hymn of invitation. The doors of the church are open. Some of the ministers will be down here to receive you, to give you the counsel of God's Word. We open the doors of the church to receive you to join by transfer of letter in other ways.